0: Hi, this is Carl Palmer from Asia, and you're listening to Stuck in the 80s. Travel
1: back in time to the 80s, reliving the music. You can't have the Pretender's first album.
2: That's mine.
1: I bought it. You
2: did not. The catchphrases.
1: Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast?
2: And the wannabes.
1: Sometimes I see him dance around the house in my underwear. Doesn't make me Madonna. Never will.
2: Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Can you say stuck in the 80s?
1: Is this the happiest day of your life? This is the happiest day of my life. And why
2: would that be? Because this is our Asia show. (laughs) Hey, this is Steve Spears from TampaBay.com. This is Sean Daly,
1: the pop music critic from the Saint Pete Times. And, and uh, Steve's best buddy.
2: Yeah, and sumo wrestler. <laughs> best man at my wedding. And today we finally get to live the dream because we actually get to talk again about Asia. It was the
1: Telling what the You do. I don't. I was. Uh, I had a funyan emergency. I'd rather not go into it, but uh.
2: yeah, we're gonna have an exclusive interview with Carl Palmer, the drummer from the band. He talked to us from London prior to uh, setting off on their next North American tour. What, t- what
1: time is it in London when you
2: talked to him? Four p.m. That's not bad. No, nah, he was. He was just in his, uh, shaking his... off the cobwebs. <laughs> yeah, all right, <laughs> they're ready, ready to, to go out, yeah. Were you nervous talking to Carl Palmer? Yeah, I mean, Asia's a band I've liked since. Um, I mean, I don't know about you. Do you remember their first album that well?
1: are you kidding me it was one of the first albums on vinyl i ever bought and i had a little crap 5000 uh uh, uh a turntable and i would play it over and over again heat of the moment only time will tell soul survivor one two three soul survivor soul survivor soul Can't tell you what the fourth song was, but I
2: can tell you those those
1: first three.
2: I love every song, all nine cuts from the first album. What's What's funny is I remember the album because back in uh, back when it first came out, you know my my family had moved down here to Florida, but the rest of my mom's family still was living in Ohio. So every Christmas we'd go up to Ohio, you know, to, to you know reunite the family.
1: Could you fix your hair? You you put your hair down. You look like Mo Howard. <laughs> I'm waiting for you to hit me with a two by four.
2: <laughs> so we go up Thank there, you. and before we leave, my my parents bought me the Asia album on seed on little cassette on the Was cassette. it a clear
1: cassette? One of those? It was
2: a clear cassette. It, was it really cool. And uh literally played that on my and I don't even think they had walkmans then. I think then was when you had like your little tape player, then you had your headphones, oh, yeah. your really big ass headphones that you put on. So I would listen I listened to it nonstop on the way from, you know, Tampa to Columbus, Ohio, then on the way back. So I mean, I, I pretty much know every song by heart. I think I, I
1: probably put it on like a blank tape on my Walkman. Were you like I was a Walkman baby. That's why I can't hear today <laughs> that because i would like crank my walkman i go through about maybe one a year and like the top would fall off do you, you have a lot of sony yeah, walkman yeah i still top do would fall We're off still and around. take it to the beach and they get sand in it yeah oh, oh, i love that stuff i I'm can't still, hear a thing though, yeah but.
2: why has sony never thought about the whole let's invent a, a sony that walkman that you could use at the beach is beyond me yeah i know so we did talk to carl palmer today h is about to set off on a on a on the second leg of their North American tour, it's the 25-year anniversary of the release of their debut oh, really? album. God, really? am I that old? Yeah. And you must be really old. 76 <laughs> years old next week. <laughs> and uh, they they got back together last year, all four original members, John Wetton, Carl Palmer, Steve Howe, Jeff Downs, from you know, the first big 80s super group, and uh, got back and toured. They never got down to the South part of the united states so i never got a chance to see him so i'm really excited they're playing june 14th
1: here and ruth eckerd hall and who gets to introduce them steve
2: that would be me and sean
1: we are we will be entered in the flesh in the buff so if you're
2: there for the show uh be kind yeah don't throw anything you're gonna be sweating up a storm i'm sweating up a storm just thinking about it <laughs> know, just thinking are. about it because i'm like i'm waiting for you because um, i know you're saving special zingers just for that night oh, that you're gonna, gonna roll out yeah. like you know, pointing out my big sausagey fingers <laughs> or something yeah, like that. Yeah, your hairy knuckle my pursuit hairy knuckle. of
1: young lasses.
2: So uh, it's going to be a good show. Yeah. What's your favorite of, of all the of all the Asian songs? Probably Only Time Will Tell. Now,
1: sure as the sun will cross the sky, the lion's over. God, like the tears that used to die. Classic. How about yours? You're gonna gonna pick some deep album cut just to be uh, contrary.
2: Here comes the feeling. Here comes the feeling. Here comes the feeling. Number nine on the original uh, on the original album.
0: Here
1: Here comes the feeling. Here comes the same old feeling.
2: You never you never heard it as much. I mean you know, So few, you never had
1: it on vinyl? You never had the album on vinyl. Never had it on vinyl. So you didn't have the big uh dragon emerging from the SURF. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually you do have a big dragon emerging from the surf.
2: Hey, you know what's classic though? Um I have a wee little dragon. <laughs> a dragette. There you go. Once again, I lose my train of thought. Back in college, my my First year in college at University of Florida, 1985, my roommate was a huge Asia fan, too. And back then, you were allowed to paint the walls of your dorm room in the hallways. And inside our room, we painted the big dragon. No, you did Yes, we did. Did it look good? Uh, it looked okay. If you had been drinking, it did looked just it- great. <laughs> it looked more like a big chicken. Yeah. But outside, we did the Asia Alpha, the big pyramid uh, Oh, that's thing. cool. And You uh,
1: must have been a hit with the
2: ladies, a couple <laughs> yeah. of Asia fans. What's funny was that actually stood there. I mean that those those two portraits stayed there until they tore that dorm down oh, about really? two years ago. I uh, I used to go back every every couple of years and visit Florida and see a football game and Kinda I kind
1: of like t- Rob and Saint
2: Louis. Yeah, Florida. and, it, and it pretty much the same uh, humiliating when they say. But uh, we'd go back and we'd go into the dorm and um, we tell we'd always go to that room and knock on they're like you know they, and everyone called it the Asia room. Really?
1: It must look like hieroglyphics to kids today. Yeah, they're like, what the hell is this? What is the strange symbology? Yeah,
2: but we did actually do that, and it did actually stay there until the day they tore it down.
1: Wow, you should have gone and gotten a piece of the rubble with your...
2: Yeah, kind of like the Berlin Wall, you know, (laughs) you have the scorpions playing in the background. (laughs) Hasselhoff. Yeah, Hasselhoff. Well,
1: I want to hear this interview you did with Carl Palmer.
2: Okay, great. We're going to queue it up now. Carl's going to talk about... uh, the history of the band, uh, how they got together in the first place, some of the obstacles they had to overcome, and any
1: sex exploits? Any sex
2: exploits? No, this is Asia. This is uh It's all about the music, dude. Yeah, it's all about the music.
1: All right, I want to hear it. Here we go. Hi,
2: Carl. Are you there? Hi. Hey, so uh, you finished your. Uh, you know your overseas leg of the tour, and you're, I assume you're taking some time off before you guys start again in North America.
0: Um, we we've just come back from, uh, well, about a couple of months back now. We finished in um, South America. We did. We've already played Japan and South America this year, and uh, we then started uh, work on the DVD, which is now finished and put to bed. We signed off on that last week, and we start uh, some rehearsals next Monday, getting ready for the the June. The June tour of the U.S.
2: Right, you start right here in Florida. We're really excited to have you here.
0: Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to that.
2: I, I missed you guys the first time you came through. I was probably maybe 12 years old and too young to go to concerts then.
0: Oh, well, don't worry. We'll make up for it this time.
2: So this is actually the 25th anniversary of the release of Age's first album.
0: Yes, we started it last year in June, which was the, uh, the preempt to it all uh, in the U.S. We did 19 concerts, but this officially is the year... So it's the um, it's the second half, as it were.
2: Right now, that album actually was number one for nine weeks and had seven several...
0: consecutive weeks. Then it went down and back up for another couple of weeks.
2: Right, and your tours were selling out in every venue. What ha- what was going through your mind during that during you know twenty five years ago?
0: Well, we we actually, to be honest with you, Scott, we did not uh, play for very long in America. I think the time. The group actually toured was extremely limited. I don't think we worked more than a couple of months in America due to sort of internal problems we had at the time. So we didn't actually play to vast numbers of people. I think the largest crowd we played to was probably about seven and a half, nearly 8,000 people. So we didn't do anything excessive at all. Uh, and that was, you know, on the back of that hit record. I mean, that was a long time ago, but we didn't have uh, any real experience as a group touring and playing in america so we ended up doing very little and as i say through internal personal problems we couldn't really carry on and build it at all even last year june when we went back after the the beginning of this 25th anniversary uh, touring um period we were playing to 800 a 1, 1100 people so it's small crowds anyway you know right
2: now I, th- I think i read somewhere that you that was actually your idea the first time around to keep the, keep the venues and the crowd small. Is that true?
0: Um, do you mean last June or 25 years 20, ago?
2: 25 years ago.
0: Um, well, in actual fact, the problem was is that because we had a hit record, we weren't guaranteed of uh, pulling the people in to see us. You know, there was this problem. It was the age of corporate rock and MTV, which we were part of in a big way, and it was very, very nice. Uh, but it was a case of building it in America. You can't expect to walk in and play to thousands and thousands of people. So it's, it's normally the right way to go in a cautious way, you know, go carefully, slowly in the first time, even on the back of a big record. And as I say, we hadn't worked enough to build the box office up to more than about 8,000 a night. So you can understand where we were, even with such a, a popular product on our hands.
2: Now, Now, before joining Asia, you were actually a member of Emerson, Lake & Palmer, which every fan knows. Yes. and you you had sold more than thirty million albums and played in front of hundreds of thousands of people in a single night. W- what kind of change was it? I mean, what I mean that must have been a, a real uh, change of pace to suddenly go from playing in front of three hundred thousand people to playing in front of seven hundred.
0: Well, it was a change of pace to have an album number one for nine weeks. I mean, Emerson, uh, Lake and Palmer never had that in the whole of their career. That though we sold more than thirty million records, um, we never ever reached that kind of instant success and the claim that Asia had on the first album. Fortunately enough, uh, Emerson Lake and Palmer had a different aspect uh, to their career. And that was, they were a box office draw and people always wanted to see the band, whether we had a new album or not. So that was, that was a nice thing to have. So to go from the larger audiences down um, to, to where Asia was really um, for me was just a sign of the times, you know, um, Progressive rock wasn't being played on the radio. Um, Progressive rock wasn't part of MTV. And it made uh, people like Emerson, Lake and Palmer, yes, Jethro Tull, uh, and you can go on. You know, there were many prog groups at the time. It made them not redundant, but they weren't part of the mainstream. What was part of the mainstream was the corporate sort of journey, foreigner, uh, Europe, Asia, was this kind of songs type of band. And I have a, I have a, a real a, a strong idea that the reason why that first Asia album was big was because it was a mixture of like six-minute kind of proggy type tunes like Time Again, uh, uh, Soul Survivor, Wildest Dreams. I never would have this in my wildest Wildest dreams
1: Wildest dreams, wildest dreams wildest
0: And you had the pop songs like Only Time Will Tell, "Eat of the Moment. So it was a a wonderful crossover happening on that one particular product. And Mr. Lake and Palmer never achieved that kind of uh, mixture. We were kind of a bit more involved with European classical music. But the first Asia album did actually have that crossover where it was intellectual and radio-friendly for the time. But even with all of that ingredient in there... Um, it was still smaller people, uh, smaller amounts of people we play to, but you know that was as, as I said before. It was just a sign of the times. It's the way it was.
2: Now, at what point, when you're recording that first album, do you say, "Oh my God, we're really onto something big here"? I mean, did you, did you get that feeling recording that first album? Uh,
0: no, I personally didn't. You know, I, I've never I've never been. Um, I've never been able to tell myself, you know, at the end of the day, the music business is about timing. And if it's the right time in the right place for your product, if your product is right, then obviously something's going to happen. And um, it was perfect timing, but it was perfect timing because of MTV. You know, we did a satellite broadcast from Japan with Asia way back then. You know, the MTV exposure was on heavy rotation the DVDs were state-of-the-art. They were Godly and Cream from 10CC. Those were the guys that helped us put those together. So the whole package fitted into the moment in time. You know, I mean, if we were to re- release that album again, or a album as good as, I doubt if it would have the impression that it created then. I think it's all to do with where you are and where the industry is when you've got your product ready to release.
2: Now, Based on the success of that first album, though, did you feel, was there some added pressure on the band then going into recording Alpha? Did you feel you uh, had to live up to it? Yeah,
0: these? The, the pressure was the wrong type of pressure, really. That's why the second album was very poppy. It wasn't very um, uh, deep. You know, there wasn't any sort of any, anything prog about it. The, the pieces weren't, there was nothing uh, musically complex about it. It was pretty straightforward, verse, chorus, verse, chorus. Saying that, there was quite a big hit from the album called Don't Cry. Don't cry, tell the to do. Don't cry but at the end of the day, it didn't have this um, wonderful mixture that the first album had, where, you know, you could have your radio cuts, but you could go or four cuts deep with something which is a bit more adult you know and um, the second album was good but it didn't really have that amount of depth and you know what they say it takes you uh, 20 years to write the first album and you've got to write the second one in 20 minutes
2: <laughs> i haven't heard that and hey, let me ask you you mentioned uh, the asian asia concert i have vivid memories of that because i think that was uh, i think my parents let me stay up late that night to watch it live on mtv yeah Who, whose idea was that to do that show
0: Um, Well, basically, MTV had never made a satellite broadcast before, and they wanted to make a broadcast. It seemed a good tag, you know, Asia in Asia. It seemed to ring. It seemed to have the right sound about it. We were incredibly current at the time, you can imagine, with the amount of record sales and the heavy rotation of the videos. So it just seemed a great thing to do. We had the tour booked, and it was all set up, and off we went, you know. As you know, there was a slight hiccup on that because John Wetton wasn't with us then. Um, um, we actually had Greg Lake singing with us.
2: What, what, uh, role, what role did you play bringing Greg Lake into the mix?
0: Um, I didn't play any role at all. It was a lot of people think that I was involved with that, but I personally was against that. The idea actually came from a guy that worked for De- uh, Geffen Records at the time, an A&R guy called John Kalodner. And um, he was um, quite well known in the business for putting together, uh, helping bands like Journey and Foreigner and Whitesnake. And um, he mentioned that this could be a way of us salvaging the gig because we were going to cancel it, but all the satellite time was booked and whatever, whatever. And we couldn't do it with John, unfortunately, because of a certain circumstance which had taken place. So Greg Lake seemed to be the best replacement. Uh, but that was um, 100% his idea, not mine.
2: Now, you've actually stuck with the band, Asia. You stuck with them for a, a little bit longer after the original shakeup. I'm just curious, you know, were there any line-ups during those years that you thought were as strong as the original lineup? up
0: um, No, to tell you the truth, I, I didn't really do too much, you know. I did the first two albums, and then I kind of, kind of jumped in and out of that. And um, by 91, I was back in Emerson Lake and Palmer, and we played together for another sort of nine years. You know, um, but... Um, that whole sort of uh, late, um, sort of 80s deal, I, I had a couple of little bands with John, a group called Quango. We just played here in Europe. You know, I did something with Keith. But the, the, eight, the actual Asia um, original band, you know, just lasted for those two albums. And the work that I did with Asia after that were literally just fillers, you know. There was nothing really serious. In actual fact, um, three years ago, um, I... Um, I work in Italy quite a lot with my band, the Carl Palmer Band, and, and I've had my band going on six years now, and Italy is one of my major markets. Um, way back, let's say three and a half, yeah, it must be three years ago, Jeff Downs was touring Europe with Asia. He was the only original member, and um, they were having problems in selling tickets, and um, I knew the promoter, and they, he called me up and said, would I come along and play a few tunes with Asia? Maybe this would... Help the box office and things, but that's the only thing I've really done. You know, I've just sort of dropped in at the last minute and sort of helped out. I've never really been keen on playing in Asia unless it was the original setup, to be honest with you.
2: So why do you think it took 23 years then, really, to get the band's original members back together?
0: Well, to be honest with you, there was no real uh, need to do it because of the problems that we had internally. Uh, and when we, we started... In 81, there was lots of things going on for the next sort of like 10 years, on and off, on and off. Um, I started again in 91 with um, with ELP, right through to 98. I took a break, started my band in 2001. So the only period really was from about 85 to about 89, where there was a couple of things we did within American Guitars, Pat Thrall, we had put Asia together again, John and myself and Jeff, and we played in um, Moscow and did things like that. But none of them were really serious. They were really kind of short hits. Um, the reason why I don't think it could come back together in its uh, form the way you see it is, one, I was in Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Two, Steve Howe was in, yes. And three, though, as I say, there were internal problems, which, you know, um, took an awful long time to sort out. And no one ever knew if they would ever be sorted out.
2: So then, what was it like then, when the four of you finally got back in the same room together again? What, what was that first, uh, you know, few minutes or first few hours like?
0: Um, it was, you know, it was pretty good. Um, I can't say to you that. I mean, I was overexcited. It was great to see uh, everyone in the same room. You have to understand, England is such a small place that, um, you know, I see most of these people, you know every other month somewhere, you know, in England, as it is, you know what I mean? Because it's so small. It's such a cottage industry here. So it wasn't as if I hadn't seen the people. And, of course, I'd worked with Keith during... Sorry, I'd worked with John during that period. I'd met up with Steve in that period, you know. So there's always some kind of connection somewhere. So as far as uh, I was concerned, it really didn't mean anything until we went to play. When we actually... Um, started did the first concert in america that was kind of overwhelming because you know obviously this was nostalgia we were bringing back to america because a lot of people like you've uh, so rightly commented you know we're young you know 12 14 years old or whatever so that was when it kind of brought it back to me sort of how big it was and how good it was um but when we were playing in the room it um, it, it never sounds that appealing to me it's only really when you put some lights on it and you've got a great PA and you've got plenty of people in the room, then the magic sort of starts to happen.
2: So what what has the crowd reaction been like? Have you been surprised by... Uh... Yes,
0: I, I personally, um, I've been incredibly surprised. I didn't think um, that the band would be accepted as well as what it has been after such a long layoff. As I say, it is nostalgia. You know, we're fully aware of that. Um, I think if Asia was to make a brand-new album today and you know and who knows in the future we might um the dvd will come out first of all on eagle rock in america which i'm very proud of it's a good dvd but i think if asia was to make an album a new album i doubt if it would be played on the radio the way radio is in america it's very very difficult but on the other hand you know um people only ever want to hear old songs anyway the demographic that we play to is somewhere between 40 and 50 up to 60 years old you see uh, possibly a bit younger than that, but not a lot. So we're sort of caught in a catch-22, really. Um, it's, you know, we, we can play the first two albums, which is basically what we've, we've ended up doing. We played the first album on this first tour, and on this second tour, we're going to have two or three tracks from the second album. So that's really the catalogue that we've got to draw from, and that's a and that's nostalgia, I suppose.
2: Now, I understand you're also playing a lot of... of I think one song from each of your um, previous solo careers. Whose idea yeah. was that?
0: We wanted to do this twenty-five years ago, but we were so insecure then. We figured that if we played something from Emerson, Lake and Palmer, then people would think, "Yes, well, Asia's not strong enough. It's got to take something from the the individual's past, you know, to to help the show type of thing." So that idea got pushed away. Obviously, twenty wind the tape 25 years forward and you say to yourself, you know, what the hell, who cares, you know, it's part of our history, so to have somebody like myself in the band, somebody like Steve, who come from, like, reasonably big bands, you know, as far as the progressive rock music uh, is concerned, you know, in America anyway so we figured why don't we play roundabout why don't we play fanfare yes and we could play video kill the radio star oh and by the way we could play something from king crimson you know so just the way it was really it just seemed it seemed easier to do it this time uh, as long as we were playing the whole of that first asia album
2: what's the crowd reaction like when they hear some of those those pre like fanfare for example
0: well to tell you the truth it is really good it is really good because you know, if this is not a cover band, you know, I was actually in Emerson, Lake and Palmer when we played Roundabout. Steve was actually in Yes when they recorded that. So it just shows you the deep history of the band. And it's kind of unique from that point of view that I don't know many bands that have got such a deep musical heritage as what we've got. You have to realize that even even uh, the poppiest piece of music we play, Video Killed the Radio Star, was the very first video to be seen on MTV so that the history around Asia in general you know with the individuals and with the band collectively is quite interesting really
2: I've always been amazed that you have these four individuals from these four you know you know very storied histories coming together and 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 they were able to put it together for so for, you know it was only for two albums originally but it's still amazing to me I think that may be one of the things that the fans just really still you know find amazing
0: yeah Well, I mean, it was amazing at the time. It was just a great, great experience. And the the success we had, we never managed to duplicate anywhere else in the world. You know, America was the only place that really happened for us. Uh, We had a certain amount of success in England, like everybody does. It was incredibly short-lived. I mean, the English attitude towards music is nothing like the American attitude. You know, the English people don't put up with very much at all, you know. Uh, once you've had your say and you've played your tunes and that, you know, two or three years down the line, you're gone dead, buried and forgotten about. That's just the way it is.
2: It's, it's amazing to me that you have four English musicians who put together a group, and yet they're more relevant in America than they are in England.
0: Yeah, but you have to understand that America is, is one animal, you know, and you've got this vast radio network, you've got this vast concert circuit you've got everything there in england for example we don't have this big radio network it's very limited there's certain pockets and certain doors you've got to knock down before any success comes your way once the success comes your way you are limited to the amount of places you can play because of the size of the country you know don't forget you could put it in texas could New england i think that's what it's worth you know, whatever, the size is small anyway. So at the end of the day, the, the turnaround here with music is so much faster than America. I mean, the way you deal with fast food is the way we deal with music.
2: I, I mean, was that important to you at the time, or is, there, is it important to you now, looking back, would you have done anything differently to say, you know, we need to appeal to an audience that's wider than just America?
0: Um, to tell you the truth, you can only appeal to an audience if you actually physically go to the country, you know. Um, The reason why we had so much success in Japan this year, um, and it was an incredible success in Japan, the reason why that was so strong was because the band went there way back 23 years ago. Though it wasn't the original band, we went there. So when we went to Japan with the original band, it was unbelievable. And if you go to a country and mature their musical outlook and you know, try and bring them over to your way of thinking and get them into your music, what you're actually presenting, then, you know, you can build a market. It's just so much easier in America because the place is so vast. I mean, for example, when we went to Japan, we just played in Tokyo five nights, three nights in one building. Then we packed the equipment up and moved it down the street, just around the corner to another building and set up for another two nights. Uh, Because, you know, these are all the gigs that they have, you know, and people travel for miles to come and see you. In America, it's not like that. You can, you can go around for years and, you know, and never play in Nagadocious. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I really appreciate the fact you're coming to Florida. Do you, do you worry that you know, now you're doing the second leg through North America? Do you, do you ever get that feeling, oh, boy, I hope we don't get burned out?
0: Um, no, to tell you the truth, we've only played 19 days, 19 concerts in America. and uh, When you consider how big America is. Nineteen days is absolutely nothing. Nineteen concerts is nothing. You know, we've not even rowed the boat out yet. Do you know what I mean? So we, we, we could play again in August, which we will, and we could play again uh, next year, which we will. And we'll probably have something like 70 concerts. But it'd be 70 concerts over a year and a half almost. So as far no, it'd be yeah, a year and a half at least. So as far as I'm concerned, that's not a lot when you've been away for 25 years. I don't think we could come back after next year straight away. We'd have to have something else going for us. But, you know, we could definitely, America's a big place. You know, you can definitely play quite a few days there, that's for sure.
2: Everyone, Carl, calls you sort of like the drummer's drummer. And so I've always been kind of curious, of all the tunes from those first two albums, is there one that you particularly feel like you can, you know, wrap your hands around and really enjoy and really show off your skills?
0: Um, You know, Asia is really, to be honest with you, is is nothing about sort of, um, uh, unfortunately, the the first album has certain things on it. But in general, um, it's such easy music to play. You know, it's not complicated. It's not as complex as Emerson, Lake and Palmer. It's very, very good music. There's no doubt about that. But from my point of view, a lot of the stuff is very, very basic. You know, four on the floor with the bass drum. It's nothing complicated at all. Um, There are the odd moments, as I said to you before, like wildest dreams. (laughs) Start, you know, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, you know, really sort of bona fide pop song. So it's hard to really shine when you're a drummer in this environment. It's a lot easier when you're with Emerson Lake and Palmer because the musical scope is, is much wider. That's not to say there's anything wrong with Asia. It's just a different form of music. You know, they can't be compared.
2: So what's next for the band? I think I read somewhere on your website that there was talk that, that you might actually go into the studio again after, uh, during breaks of this tour.
0: Yeah, we've decided that we might record some retro material. Nothing has been decided on yet exactly. And there is a DVD which we have just finished, which obviously there'll be an audio, sort of a, a CD released as well. Um, and we'll look at the, the um, you know, the new material. There is one track we've got done already. Um, we're in no rush to do it. I mean, the, you know, the world is not waiting for an Asia album. We all know that. So we've got plenty of time. And we'll do whatever we can this year on the, on the downtime. We'll see what we can, we can put together. And, uh, you know, and that could be a lot of fun.
1: Well done, Steve Spears. That was a great interview. Thanks. I especially like the, uh, the Asia and Asia part
2: right i mean i was shocked that even though greg lake was a band member a band mate of uh, carl palmer's back at emerson lake and palmer that carl really had no say so whatsoever he didn't actually really want greg to come on board in asia back then it was somebody else who set that up very odd
1: yeah well good good, good job well done but uh, can we get to um uh, a special matter of business now oh yes a special fan letter
2: Time for a new feature in uh, Stuck in Eighties. This is the reader uh, reader mailbag segment where we're going to read an email every week. Stick around to the end of
1: this letter; it's very <laughs> pivotal. Do you want to read it, or should I? No, read it? you read it. You do them so much better. Here's, All right, I'll read it. I'll read it.
2: Okay, you have that nice voice.
1: This is from the good people at Saviors of Rock at Saviors That's S A V I O U R S O F R O C K dot com. Hey guys, we all love the show over here at Saviors of Rock. Just like to say, Andrew McCarthy was a terrible actor, nice guy, shocking, shocking actor. Can't believe you like him, Steve. Of course, we loved the ACDC versus Guns N' Roses episode, and we are unanimous over here for guns.
2: Woo!
1: I like that one too. That's still one of my favorites. That
2: was one of your ideas too. That was your show.
1: Uh, which gets me to the point, when are you college boys going to get down and dirty with some good sleazy hair metal? <laughs> Keep up the good work. Take it sleazy. I'm going to use that as my new sign-off. Good. My new professional sign-off. P.S. Sean Daly is this podcast. Legend. It really says that. Confirm to our listeners that it says Sean Daly is this podcast. Legend.
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's nice.
1: Thanks, JL, Saviors of Rock. Guys, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And yeah, we pe- we get uh, calls from and demands for hair metal all the time. In fact, we don't want to do it as one catch-all. We should break it down. Yeah. Oh, we're going to do a Motley Crue show, too. Yeah, we're going to do that one With soon. With select readings from The Dirt, the greatest rock and roll tell-all of all time. Easily. The oral autobiography of, of Motley Crue. It is, you've read that, right? Of course. The first 250 pages of that are the maybe the most important 250 pages in all of literature
2: yes easily
1: that and like you know
2: lolita <laughs> <laughs> and Anne rice's uh snow white adventures <laughs> did i say that or just think that <laughs> yeah that's all right <laughs> yeah um as always we love your emails send them to us at uh the 80s at tampa bay.com however quick message to the aha fans out there i get it <laughs> after 50 emails in two days I get the message that, yes, AHA is not a one-hit wonder, and we have promised to do a show solely on AHA.
1: Can I tell more Norway stories when we do that? I
2: insist that you tell more stories. <laughs> awesome. Mama, no. But I've been getting nonstop emails from the AHA fans over the last two weeks, and it's great. A lot of them from Europe, Israel, Poland,
1: Ask them, Ohio. Ask <laughs> them, Vor er to lettern? Is that real? Yeah, ask them, Vor er to lettern?
2: what does that mean where's the toilet yeah okay <laughs> that's just the kind of bonding that our fans need with the podcast
1: i love norga
0: hey
2: it's time for name that 80s tune sean daly go sean go sean. i can't wait to name this 80s tune you will not name this 80s tune but uh this is a segment where we play a song from the 80s and if you can name the artist and the song you win nothing nothing Really? Uh, shouldn't,
1: shouldn't our prizes, now that we've been around for, what, two years or 90 shows? How, what, what number show
2: is this? 88, 89? 88. Something like that.
1: Um, shouldn't we be giving away like, the, the big stuff now that you're making such a fat Cars. Stuff in the salary?
2: <laughs> Cars. Car, small boats. A
1: date with Getty Lee.
2: Ooh, that, we have a date with Getty Lee. We do. Next
1: Pending. Monday. Hopefully. Pending. And then during that Rush show, I will also read the m- angriest hate mail ever I received for giving the new Rush album a B-minus. And someone just tore me to
2: pieces. Which B minus for you is a pretty good grade. Yeah, you always make fun of me that I give everything a B minus. Yeah, you're like, I loved it. I gave it a B minus. I'm like, I don't say that
1: because I, <laughs> I just you know the A's I uh, I dole out very uh, you know.
2: Yeah, no, fair enough. Anyway, here was the song that we played for the Sticks podcast that we thought nobody would get. And oddly enough, everybody got that. That's really it's m- music time, which is an extra cut on the CD. Of caught caught in the act.
0: I I mean, how more obscure could I
1: be? And everybody got it. How many? When you say everybody, how many?
2: I bet I had like 15 emails within 30 minutes. Oh my god! Really? Everybody getting it. Everybody knowing it. You know, line for line. It's one of those. It must be. You know, Well, the joke's on me, that's all I can say, and I will uh, give you nothing in return except for my undying respect.
1: Give us this week's.
2: This week's, I'm going to stick with the same uh, theme. I'm going to give you an Asia song from the 80s, and um, I'm, this one's going to be a little bit tougher. You're telling them it's an Asia song. I'm going to tell you it's an Asia song, but, but uh, can you actually, so many of them sound a little similar in the latter half of the 80s. You know what?
1: I have a great idea. I What's should that? start singing the snippets. <laughs> Instead of playing the actual song, name you know, the 80s song that Sean's singing. That I should sing a snippet.
2: You I, don't... Went... <laughs> I don't think you're up for this.
1: Not this week, but so let's try that in okay. the weeks to come.
2: We'll save it for the Culture Club show. Anyway, here's this week's snippet. <laughs> that, my friend, is a challenging tune. I will not have 15 emails in 30 minutes this time. That is my prediction.
1: Is this early Asia, late Asia?
2: That's all I'm giving you.
1: Over, under on people getting this?
2: Um, you know, Asia fans are rabid, and they're going to get it. But um, I'm saying three people will get it.
1: Interesting. I'll take the over on that.
2: You know, I actually get more visitors to How our... How much do you want
1: to bet? How much do you want to bet? You taking t- the over? I'll take the over.
2: Oh, uh, $10. All right, let's shake on it. Okay, there you go. go.
1: Come on, Asia fans. Do me proud.
2: Steve Spears, you are the bomb. Greg Jones, Hampton, South
0: Carolina. You get Chuck Panazzo one week, Carl Palmer the next. Very envious. As always, on the coast of South Carolina, I'm stuck in the 80s.
2: Hey, great. Another fan greeting. We love those. A reminder, we can, we can always use more. All you have to do is go to our blog at blogs.tampabay.com slash 80s. There you'll find the toll-free number. Give us a call. Leave us a message. End it with the words, I'm stuck in the 80s, and you're golden. You are a golden god, Sean Daly. I'm a legend. In your own mind. Hey, that's, that's good. I, I like that people like uh, are big fans for you. I mean, you, you are the show. I mean, that's What? What? The, what are you talking about? You are the show. You're the rock. I'm not a rock at all. <laughs>
1: People love you. And they always get mad at me when I'm not pro eighties enough.
2: But you are. You're you're as pro eighties as it gets.
1: Nah, you you literally are stuck in the eighties.
2: Yeah, probably true. Anyway. The um the concert is at June fourteenth uh, at Ruth Eckerd Hall and uh, Sean and I will be there. What I'm really looking forward to, I don't know if Sean knows this. Are the groupies for us? Yes. Exactly. Fifty year old women coming I'll up. I'll take to, it. <laughs> yeah. I'll take
1: it. Because those Asia women are gonna be, I bet, kind of uh like kinda 30 and tan hot it'd be nice ruth ecker gets some really
2: wearing the black tank tops
1: yeah that they haven't like washed and they can't really (laughs) fit in because they're too small now i love it i love it it's gonna be
2: fun the uh the part of the show i'm looking forward to is that the band is playing um cuts from their earlier career during the show so you're gonna hear some emerson lake and palmer some yes
1: and they have a full-on laser show
2: can you explain that? At that's all? for that's for the uh, Alan Parsons project. Oh, they're Alan op-
1: Parsons doing laser show. Yeah,
2: they do. The, they're the opening band. and They have the laser show. I don't know anything about it. I've never seen a laser show, so we'll see. I mean, you know, aside from like Star Wars. <laughs> 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 I have no idea. I have no idea. I didn't. I wasn't one of those kind of guys that went to the planetarium to watch, you know, uh, the Pink Floyd laser show at two in the morning.
1: I'm so, I'm really shocked you never took a girl and went to the laser show.
2: No, no, not my style. I would take her to like the old Spanish fort <laughs> yeah. oh. and lecture her on the uh, those poor kids. Yeah, so that explains so much about my life. Anyway, so that is all we've got for today. What's coming up? What are some shows coming up? We have uh, hopefully it, cross our fingers. Rush.
1: Yeah, I talked to uh, a Rush representative yesterday about setting up this interview. And there'd be, uh, there'll, there'll be a story. I'll do an a interview and a story on Getty Lee, and we'll also get him on the podcast.
2: That'd be great. We're going to do Motley crew soon.
1: And I think we we're talking about doing a live podcast, somehow from push Rush. the edges of technology to do a live podcast from the Rush show, right?
2: right? Yeah. We would love to do a live podcast from from Asia, but I'd actually rather just sit there and watch the show. I've waited so long to see them. That personally, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna waste any time. Like
1: the ironic thing is, your heart's gonna explode as you walk on stage <laughs> to announce them. That's not. Why? That's no surprise. And I left will off to carry your lifeless, limp body off the <laughs> stage, and there'll be a slow clap, like in Brew Baker. <laughs> Was that '80s Brew Baker?
2: Close enough. You know, I cut in out year this. eight. We'll do a Brew Baker show when we
1: out of yeah, you about. keep
2: thinking that. Anyway, that's all we got for this week. Tune in next week when Sean Daly will be much more under control and Kathy Wasp will be back here firmly along with us, Stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is produced by the St. Petersburg Times and com. Email us at the 80s at com, and remember to subscribe to the podcast at iTunes.